Folks, what does everyone do when shopping online? Well, you jump to the reviews and you see what customers actually think. Well, Bull and Branch did the hard work for you. In a recent customer survey, 96% said Bull and Branch sheets get softer with every single wash. Bull and Branch sheets are made from the finest 100% organic cotton threads on planet Earth. Buttery to the touch, super breathable. Bull and Branch sheets are perfect for both cooler and warmer months. Their luxurious signature hem sheets were made without pesticides, formaldehyde, or other harsh chemicals. They really do get softer with every single wash. Best of all, Bull and Branch gives you a 30-night risk-free trial with free shipping. Returns on all orders. You're not going to want to return them. We love our Bull & Branch product. In fact, when I'm on the road, I actually travel with their cable knit throw blanket. It is that good. Their product is just awesome. After a long day, nothing feels better than a restful night's sleep in the softest, most luxurious sheets. Sleep better at night with the softest sheets from Bull & Branch. Get 15% off your very first order when you use code BEN at bullandbranch.com. That's Bull & Branch, spelled B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. Promo code BEN. Exclusions apply. See site for details, bullandbranch.com. As Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg prepares to indict Donald Trump, Trump focuses his ire on Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Our very serious White House welcomes the crew of Ted Lasso. And the vice president sends a transition celebration letter to Dylan Mulvaney. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Thousands of my listeners have already secured their network data. Join them at expressvpn.com slash Ben. While it is highly unlikely that Donald Trump is actually going to be arrested today, Donald Trump suggested over the weekend that he was likely to be arrested or at least indicted on Tuesday. But apparently the grand jury in Manhattan only closed testimony on Monday night. And that means that they're probably going to consider it today. And then even if an indictment is brought, it's going to take a little while to work out the details of the arrest because the, the chances that you're going to send federal authorities down to Florida, for example, to just grab Donald Trump and rip him out of Mar-a-Lago in handcuffs. Or like That's not what's going to happen. What is likely to happen if Donald Trump is indeed arrested is that he's going to work out the details of the arrest with his lawyers so that he can present himself for the arrest. And you saw the same thing with Steve Bannon. When Steve Bannon was arrested, he presented himself at the courthouse with his lawyers. And, you know, the sort of more dramatic photos that the left is looking for. You know, Donald Trump crying on his way to the police vehicle or something like that is not what's going to happen here. According to Forbes, Truth said on Truth Social on Saturday that he'd be arrested on Tuesday and called for protest. But his attorneys later confirmed that that was speculation and that they had had no information suggesting that today would be the big day. The grand jury hearing the case will vote on whether or not to approve the charges against Trump meets on Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays. They're not even meeting on Tuesday. There's no indication that they voted on Monday. So that means that probably they'll be considering tomorrow whether or not to arrest Donald Trump or put out an indictment for arrest for Donald Trump. Fox News actually reported that the grand jury is going to hear from another witness on Wednesday, which suggests, again, that this may go on a little bit. It's unclear if their work would wrap up then or continue all the way until Friday. One thing is, is pretty clear at this point, which is that the possibility of Donald Trump being arrested is now very, very high. And that possibility is, is going to grow as time goes on here. Because remember, there, there are a multiplicity of cases against Donald Trump. The one that we're talking about in Manhattan, right, the one that is most likely to result in the soonest arrest, is not the only case that's ongoing. There's another one in Georgia over the possibility of, for example, obstruction of justice in calling up a bunch of election officials in Georgia. That case is still ongoing. Also, there's also a politically motivated prosecutor who's at work in Georgia on that particular score. The, the important thing to understand about what's going on in the Manhattan DA case, in this particular Stormy Daniels campaign finance fraud case or whatever it is, is that it's extremely sketchy. And everyone understands that it's extremely sketchy. In fact, everybody sort of knew that this thing was dead as of 2019. According to Politico, in 2021, inside the Manhattan DA's office, then run by Cyrus Vance, again, a, a dedicated opponent of Donald Trump, the Daniel saga, the Stormy Daniel saga, was known as the zombie case. It was dead and brought back to life by Mark Pomerantz, who led the Manhattan DA's Trump investigation. When he started that job in early 2021, 
Pomerantz first dug into the hush money payments because he later wrote it was interesting and easy to understand, unlike the complex financial investigation of the Trump organization that he would later bring some prosecutions on for, for example, Ellen Weisselberg. In 2018, prosecutors in SDNY, the Southern District of New York, unraveled the entire affair. They charged Michael Cohen with making illegal federal campaign contributions. And in the sentencing memorandum written after Cohen pled guilty, the Fed said that Cohen acted in coordination with and at the direction of Trump. When all this was disclosed, there was a lot of speculation that Donald Trump would be brought up on charges even as of 2019. But SDNY never moved forward with it. Pomerantz wrote a book about the case, and he surmised that there were probably two factors. One, the DOJ had guidance that they shouldn't actually indict a sitting president. And two, they had a really difficult relationship with Michael Cohen, who was never offered a formal cooperating witness deal, and they didn't want to rely on him as a witness. Apparently, Alvin Bragg has, has no such qualms. He's happy to, to use Michael Cohen as a witness, despite the fact that Michael Cohen is, in fact, a convicted liar. And that is what Trump is counting on, is that Michael Cohen is not exactly the world's best witness. And those two big potential weaknesses of the case remain, according to Politico. One, can prosecutors overcome the ambiguity of the statute to ensure a felony charge? And two, how much will prosecutors need to rely on Michael Cohen? So, you know, again, the possibility of an arrest today, very, very unlikely. The possibility of arrest going forward, likely, because Alvin Bragg would love to get his name in neon lights. And this is true for a lot of these DAs. Alvin Bragg happens to be a Soros backed DA who is very soft on crime in the city of New York. It's something that Donald Trump has pointed out. He put out like a full ad yesterday talking about Alvin Bragg being soft on crime and then suddenly getting very, very rough and tough on a supposed crime that happened all the way back in 2016. He's not wrong about all of that. But one of the weird aspects of this particular case is obviously that it's a bombshell in the middle of the presidential race. So the, the, I think the weirdest thing that's happening right now is a shift of focus from Team Trump, from Joe Biden, Democratic administration, Alvin Bragg, you know, the, the people that the Republican base really should be angry at, a shift of focus to his other primary opponents. And this is really kind of gross. I mean, to be honest with you, it's, it's really gross that Donald Trump, like, I'm sorry, but Ron DeSantis, any other candidate on the Republican side of the aisle is not responsible for what is happening here. That's galaxy brain kind of stuff. There, there are a bunch of people who theoretically you could blame for the situation that Donald Trump now finds himself in. You could blame, at least in part, Donald Trump for allegedly having stooped Stormy Daniels while he was a married man and then having paid hush money in order to cover it up. You can blame Stormy Daniels for having shot that story around endlessly. You can certainly blame Alvin Bragg for bringing what appears to be a frivolous case against Donald Trump. How that turns into other Republican candidates are on the hook for Donald Trump's activities or the targeting of Donald Trump is beyond me. And by the way, the other Republican candidates who've been asked about it have universally sided with Trump against Alvin Bragg. But I guess the idea is that, that Donald Trump has the capacity to call on all other Republicans to defend every aspect of his behavior while simultaneously Donald Trump tries to take a knife to all the other Republicans in the race, which is a very, very strange dynamic. We'll get to more on that in just one second. First, let us talk about the fact that you are paying too much money for your cell phone coverage because you are. Don't fall for those free phone deals from Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. It's just another trick to lock you into a long-term contract that'll cost you a fortune every month. Instead, get a brand new iPhone 12 from Pure Talk for just $12 a month. With Pure Talk's $30 plan, there's no contract and no interest. You can cancel or leave at any time. Get a new iPhone 5G service, cut that cell phone bill in half with Pure Talk. I'm a Pure Talk customer. I do all my business calls on Pure Talk. You can switch over really, really quickly. It takes as little as 10 minutes at puretalk.com. And you can enter promo code Shapiro to save 50% off your very first month of coverage. Choose from a variety of unlimited talk and text plans with plenty of high-speed data, all backed by 100% money-back guarantee. Pure Talk saves the average family over $900 a year. There's no contract. 
no hidden fees, no hassle. Head on over to puretalk.com, enter promo code Shapiro, save 50% off your very first month of coverage and get an iPhone 12 for just $12 a month. That's puretalk.com, promo code Shapiro. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Again, check them out at puretalk.com, enter promo code Shapiro, save 50% off your very first month of coverage. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, when we say something is free, it should mean, you know, free. No strings attached, no hidden costs, no fine print to decipher. When you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks monthly for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. Pure Talk saves the average family almost $1,000 a year. Plus, with Pure Talk, you know you're spending your hard-earned money with a company that aligns with your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Head on over to puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Claim eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and switch to my cell phone company. I've been using Pure Talk myself for years at this point. They are excellent. They've got great coverage and they don't hate your guts. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and switch on over. Okay, so... Donald Trump yesterday decided to focus his fire, not really on Alvin Bragg, but on Ron DeSantis, which, again, is a very, very weird take. So Ron DeSantis had been pressured over the weekend to sound off about Donald Trump's claim that he was about to be arrested. And I said yesterday on the show, I do not think that it is the responsibility of any sitting politician, including members of Congress, by the way, to sound off on an indictment that has not yet happened. Typically, you don't actually sound off on an indictment until it comes down. Like what happens exactly if you come out and you suggest that the indictment is garbage and hooey if you're an elected politician and then there is no indictment? The grand jury says we're not interested in prosecuting Donald Trump. And now you've put yourself out over the line for a case that was never real based on rumors that Donald Trump tweeted into the ether. That's kind of a weird situation. But okay, if you are going to comment, you, you know, probably are going to say precisely what all the politicians have said at this point, which is we're waiting to see all of the details. But there appears to be no rationale other than political motivation and targeting for Alvin Bragg to be going after Donald Trump. And every politician has said this, right? Speaker McCarthy has said this in the House. We've had various senators say this. And now finally, Ron DeSantis, who is being pressured by Team Trump. Again, the, the game that Trump is playing campaign-wise, forget about the legal, because the legal is going to handle itself. Team Trump is going to win that case, I think, because again, that case is extremely weak. But the political here is somehow to refocus the, the Republican public the, the conservatives who are voting in the in the 2024 primaries on his opponents. And that's such a weird take. Again, it's such a weird, this whole thing is about Donald Trump. It really is not about any of the other Republicans. The only thing the other Republicans should be pointing out just on, in terms of national politics is that this appears to be political targeting and political targeting has become part and parcel of democratic politics. And it's really ugly. And it is in fact authoritarian to be selectively prosecuting people that you do not like, right? That's the only thing that Republican politicians should be saying. So finally, Ron DeSantis commented on this yesterday. And here are the things that Ron DeSantis said. He started by saying that he's not going to get directly involved in a, a crisis manufactured by the Manhattan DA. So like, I'm not going to you know, follow the bouncing ball just because the Manhattan DA wishes for us to follow the bouncing ball. You have a prosecutor who is ignoring crimes happening every single day in his jurisdiction and he chooses to go back many, many years ago uh, to try to use something about porn star hush money payments, you know, that's an example of pursuing a political agenda. 
and weaponizing the office. And um, I think that that's fundamentally wrong. And in terms of um, our, 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 we are not involved in this, won't be involved in this. Uh, I have no interest in getting involved in some type of manufactured circus by some Soros DA. Right. So he's saying I'm not going to get involved in some sort of bleep fight with the Manhattan DA over what appears to be a frivolous prosecution. And then he went on along these lines. And the, the reason that Team Trump is upset with, with DeSantis today, because everything that he says right there is identical with what with what Trump says, is because they are angry that DeSantis mentioned the actual reason for the case, which is that Donald Trump stripped everything in sight while his wife was pregnant in 2006. DeSantis is apparently not allowed to mention that. You're not allowed to mention the, the actual underlying peccadillo that led to this. And by the way, he, he did it very kind of subtly. He kind of just mentioned it and moved on. It wasn't like he sat there and stewed in it or something. He basically just said, I don't know how this went down. I don't know how hush money payments to porn stars work, but this is not an issue that I think ought to be prosecuted. So Team Trump is angry on two counts. One, that, and two, they've now manufactured a narrative where it is the governor of Florida's job to stop the extradition of Donald Trump. First of all, there is no extradition of Donald Trump. No extradition has been requested, nor is an extradition necessary. Donald Trump's lawyers say he will present himself for arrest in Manhattan. Two, the governor of a sovereign state does not actually have the ability to deny extradition on the conditions that Donald Trump is currently undergoing extradition. If there were an extradition, which there isn't. Anyway, here's what, what DeSantis had to say yesterday. Not seen any facts uh, yet, and so I don't know what's going to happen. But I do know this, the, the Manhattan district attorney is a Soros-funded prosecutor. And so he, like other Soros-funded prosecutors, they weaponize their office to impose a political agenda on society at the expense of the rule of law and public safety. He has downgraded over 50% of the felonies to misdemeanors. He says he doesn't want to even have jail time for the vast, vast majority of crimes. And what we've seen in Manhattan is we've seen the, the, the crime rate go up. I also think it's important to point out when you're talking about these Soros-funded prosecutors, yes, they may do a high-profile politicized prosecution, uh, and that's bad, but the real victims are ordinary New Yorkers, ordinary Americans in all these different jurisdictions, that they get victimized every day. So, again, he's ripping on Brad, the same guy who's currently prosecuting Trump. And Donald Trump's response is to attack Ron DeSantis, I'm not kidding. Yesterday, he put out on Truth Social this ridiculous message, quote, Ron DeSanctimonious will probably find out about false accusations and fake stories sometime in the future as he gets older, wiser, and better known. And he's unfairly and illegally attacked by a woman, even classmates that are underage, or possibly a man. I'm sure he will want to fight these misfits just like I do. So this is typical Trump now suggesting that there will be allegations of sexual Miss impropriety against Ron. And then, by the way, that's not where the, the link ended. It ended with a link from Midas Touch, which is like a left-wing interest group, to a bullcrap story about Ron DeSantis going to some sort of party when he was a high school teacher with recent graduates of the high school at which alcohol was served. There was no actual accusation of any sexual impropriety of any sort at that party. Nothing. But Trump links to it anyway. So he starts to smear. I mean, in there, he, he tries to smear Ron DeSantis as possibly homosexual. Right. Even classmates that are underage are possibly a man. Like what what is wrong? Why are you attacking the governor of Florida when it's the D.A. in Manhattan who is coming after you? You're aiming your fire in the wrong place. And it's this kind of stuff that honestly doesn't do Trump any justice in terms of his own candidacy. I don't understand what he is doing here. I mean, I do because he throws the kitchen sink at everything. 
And that's all he is. He's just the, the wildest kid in your high school class, the one you never wanted to get into a fight with because it might start off as a fight. And then you never know, the guy might just pull a knife and start trying to cut you. That, that's who Donald Trump is. He does not fight like anybody else. He has no limits whatsoever. But then he insists that everybody else use the Marquess of Queensberry rules. This is the game that Donald Trump plays in terms of his campaigning. He insists that Ron DeSantis never mention the underlying rationale for any of what's going on right now. You can't mention storming down. You can't mention the fact that he was stripping these. You can't, you can't mention hush payments, which is the entire issue here, legal or not. That was the original issue. You're not allowed to mention that because that would be, that would be improper. That is violating the rules of propriety. Also, Ron DeSantis, you might be a person who is grooming youngsters. They might be men. Like what? It's just, it's so kind of gross and silly. And again, there is a real issue here that is worthy of, of the conservative public coming to Trump's defense. Namely, Donald Trump has in fact been targeted by the left since the first day that he announced has been targeted for improper reasons. And the mechanisms of law enforcement have been militarized against him and weaponized against him. They have been, whether you're talking about the garbage Russia collusion investigation or whether you're talking about this Alvin Bragg prosecution. But you know who's been saying that? Ron DeSantis, the guy he's currently attacking. It's an absurdity. In just a second, we'll get to the question of whether Ron DeSantis could quote unquote block extradition. The answer, by the way, quick answer is no. We'll get to that in a moment. First, as you may have noticed, the economy is under a lot of stress right now. Your skincare routine does not have to be. GenuCell is dedicated to helping you through these trying times. To prove it, they're offering over 70% off their most popular package. Plus, for the first time ever, GenuCell is including both the Ultra Retinol and Dark Spot Corrector with every purchase of their most popular package. Do not miss out on this fantastic deal just in time for warmer days ahead. GenuCell's Ultra Retinol contains a powerful retinal alternative safe to use on your skin in the summer sun. Their dark spot corrector helps reduce the appearance of dark marks and sunspots. Right now, you get them both in GenuCell's most popular package. I use GenuCell myself for the under-eye bags that I get when I don't get proper sleep. I'm getting some back pain lately, which means I'm not sleeping particularly well, so GenuCell is coming in particularly handy. Try it for yourself. Get GenuCell's most popular package for 70% off at GenuCell.com slash Shapiro. Every order subscription includes a luxury gift box with two free springtime essentials. That is two free gifts plus free shipping. Great deal. Go to GenuCell.com slash Shapiro. That's G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash Shapiro to get started and get that special deal. GenuCell.com slash Shapiro. It's more on this in just one moment. First, you've heard me talk about how important it is to have a VPN to protect your online privacy before. Choosing a VPN you trust is equally as important. Now, I actually researched the show's sponsors because I want to recommend brands I believe in. I can say with full confidence, ExpressVPN is the best VPN on the market. For starters, ExpressVPN does not log your online activity. Lots of cheap or free VPNs make money by selling your data to advertisers, but ExpressVPN doesn't do that. They've even developed a technology called Trusted Server that makes their VPN servers incapable of storing any data at all. ExpressVPN also uses Lightway. That's a new VPN protocol they engineered to make user speeds faster than ever. I've tried a lot of VPNs in the past. They can sometimes slow your connection, but ExpressVPN is always blazing fast and lets me stream videos in HD quality with zero buffering. Not to mention, ExpressVPN... Really, really easy to use. You don't need any technical skills to set it up. You just fire up the app, you tap one button, and now you're connected. Even your grandparents could do it. I'm not just the one saying this. It's Business Insider, The Verge, a lot of other tech journals. They rate ExpressVPN as the number one VPN on planet Earth. Protect yourself with the VPN I know and trust. Use my link at expressvpn.com slash Ben today. Get an extra three months free on that one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash Ben. Expressvpn.com slash Ben to learn more. Okay, so the Team Trump has also suggested that is DeSantis' job to block extradition. Now, there has been, number one, no actual contested extradition request from New York. The way it works under Florida law is let's say that Trump's defense team was like, listen, we don't think this extradition request is proper. Well, the governor can then intervene only to the extent necessary in order to investigate whether the extradition request is properly fulfilled. 
the only times under federal law. So first of all, federal law is very clear on this. You do, in fact, have to extradite people who have committed crimes in other states. Article 4, Section 2 of the Constitution explicitly requires this. Okay, so this is not exactly a, a, gray, a gray area of the law. The only conditions under which you do not have to extradite is if the extradition request documents are not in order, right? So they don't have the person's right name on them or something. But the person has been charged with a crime in the demanding states. They, they were just required for extradition, but there was no actual allegation of a crime that was committed. Whether the person named in the extradition request is the person charged with the crime. So again, wrong name on the forms. Or whether the petitioner is in fact a fugitive from the requesting state. So New Jersey cannot seek extradition of a person who's a fugitive from Connecticut or something. Okay, but the, the notion that DeSantis has like the unilateral ability to stand in the doorway of Mar-a-Lago and prevent the, ex, the extradition of Trump, if that were to happen, is just silly. I mean, it, number one, it's not coming up according to Trump's own attorneys. And two, he doesn't actually have the, the power to do any of that stuff. But this is also part of the game is where is it? Why won't people defend Trump? Where are they? Where, why, won't they why won't they stop this? Maybe they don't have the power to magically violate the law. Maybe there's that. It's, it's just, it's very silly. The, the fact that Trump's supporters, some of them, a small coterie of Trump supporters are trying to attack the other Republican candidates on the basis of a story that does not involve any of the other Republican candidates. It involves Donald Trump, involves Alvin Bragg. That's silly. And the fact that the person they're attacking has explicitly come out in favor of Trump not being prosecuted makes it even more silly. Again, Florida is part of the Uniform Criminal Extradition Act. Under state law, it is DeSantis' duty to, quote, have arrested and delivered up to the executive authority of any other state of the United States, any person charged in that state with treason, felony, or other crime who has fled from justice and is found. So literally the only thing that he could do is order his law enforcement to figure out whether an extradition request is valid. But valid means facially valid. It doesn't mean that he actually has to go and then investigate the underlying crime. The, the, the reason I'm focusing in on this is, again, the politics here is, is so perfectly obvious. I suspect the Democrats know that the politics are perfectly obvious, which is why they're double happy about Trump's possible arrest. I think on the one hand, they're very happy about Trump's possible arrest because they, they would love the idea of Donald Trump with a mugshot. Right? That would be the Sonny Hostin perspective. And then I think they're also kind of happy about Trump's arrest because they actively would like for Donald Trump to be the nominee. They think he's going to be easier to beat. Here was Sonny Hostin on The View yesterday cheering the possibility of Donald Trump's arrest. <laughs> so, son... <laughs> yes, what? How serious are these potential charges? Look, I think the severity matters a little less than how easy it's going to prove. Mm -hmm. Many of the charges that they're looking at are uh, falsifying business records. We know he's done that for a really long time. Mm -hmm. He's claimed to be a gazillionaire. He's provided these records. His, his chief financial officer is actually in prison right now at Rikers serving time mm -hmm. for falsifying business records. Right. This whole situation is unprecedented, let's, <laughs> yes. let's, let's face it, right? But one possibility is that prosecutors could assert that the payment itself that mm -hmm. Michael Cohen says he... he when he went to jail for? Uh, yeah. Making? Okay. And we see Trump's signature on, on some of these documents that that payment itself violated state campaign finance ah. law. And she's so excited about this. Oh my gosh, it's so serious. It's going to be so easy to prove. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. But there's, they've been so eager to get Trump forever that of course they're, they're pumped up about this. The real salient point was made by comedian Chris Rock here. So Chris Rock was like, quote, that apprehending Trump is going to make him more popular. It's like arresting Tupac. He's just going to sell more records. Are you stupid? He slept with a porn star and paid off someone so his wife wouldn't find out. That's romantic. <laughs> so we've all been cheated on. Don't you wish the person that cheated on you paid off somebody so you wouldn't find out? So yeah, he, he's not totally wrong. I mean, I think there are a lot of people who believe that this is going to help 
help Donald Trump, certainly in the primaries, because there is a rally around the Trump effect when it comes to unfair attacks on Donald Trump. Now, is that going to help him in a general election? I have serious doubts. I'm not sure that there are any independent voters who are going to be like, man, you know, now that people are, are going after Trump in unfair ways, I think I'm switching my vote. Like everybody knew that back in 2020. So it's not like that would be a new revelation. And it's not like the new revelation that he's being gone after over porn star hush money payment, that that, that exactly, you know, jogs the suburban women into voting for him. Um, but is it going to help Trump in the primaries? Yeah, it's certainly going to help Trump in the primaries. And I do wonder whether Democrats know that. By the way, this is not going to be the only prosecution that Trump is likely to undergo. Right now, according to the Washington Post, lawyers for Trump filed a motion in Georgia court Monday seeking to quash the release of the final report of an Atlanta area special grand jury that investigated whether Trump and his allies broke the law when they sought to overturn Trump's 2020 election loss in the state. Now, again, I think that this case is also really, really flimsy. This is the idea that Trump violated election law when he called up the secretary of state of Georgia and said, I want you to find me 11,270 votes or whatever it was. Right now, people are saying that on the prosecution side, that that is him trying to essentially manufacture fake votes. but the reality is that Trump could have convinced himself that he won Georgia. I mean, he obviously has. And so he's like, well, all I need to, to actually win the state is that number of votes. And I know that number of votes exists, so just go find them. Right? That wouldn't be illegal. It might not be something that you like. It might not be something pretty, but it certainly wouldn't be illegal. The motion filed in Fulton County Superior Court also seeks to preclude the use of any evidence derived from a special grand jury investigation claiming it was conducted under an unconstitutional statute and through an illegal and unconstitutional process that violated Donald Trump's due process rights. Now, again, they're, they're attempting to essentially make sure that Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis, a Democrat, can't prosecute Trump. It is very, very likely that Fannie Willis will attempt to prosecute Trump. They're trying to recuse Willis's office. Willis is a Democrat. So this is not going to be the first or the, this is not going to be the last case, the one in, in New York that Trump is likely to face along legal lines. The current filing includes seven pages of citations and nearly 40 media interviews given by Willis. This is the filing from Trump's team saying that Willis should be essentially recused from the case. We'll get to more on the Georgia case in just one second, because of course, all of this tends to upend the presidential race. First, with everything going on in the world right now, it is hard to get a good night's sleep. And let's face it, I need a good night's sleep, so do you. This is why you should have a mattress made just for you. It's why I rely on my Helix Sleep mattress. Helix is a premium mattress brand that provides tailored mattresses based on your unique sleep preferences. The Helix lineup includes 14 unique mattresses, including a collection of luxury models, a mattress for big and tall sleepers, even a mattress made just for kids. I've had my Helix Sleep mattress for years at this point. It is extremely comfortable because it was made just for me. It was also personalized so that my wife has her preferences on her side of the mattress as well. Helix has a sleep quiz that matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress because why would you buy a mattress made for somebody else? I took that Helix sleep quiz and I was linked with a firm and breathable mattress model. And that is precisely what I need. Otherwise, you know, things go wrong for me. Helix has a 10-year warranty. Try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will. Helix has over 12,000 five-star reviews. Their financing options, flexible payment plans make it so a great night's sleep is never far away. So right now, go check them out. Helix is offering up to 20% off all mattress orders plus two free pillows for our listeners. It's their best offer yet. Go to helixsleep.com slash Ben. Again, helixsleep.com slash Ben. Okay, so... Donald Trump, again, facing down the possibility of charges in Fulton County. Willis, the, the Fannie Willis, the prosecutor there, has indicated publicly and in court filings that her office's investigation has now expanded to include a bunch of other lines of inquiry, including false claims of election fraud that former New York Mayor Rudy Giuliani and other Trump associates made to the Georgia state lawmakers, threats and harassments targeting Georgia election workers, the creation of an alternative slate of Republican electoral college electors who met at the Georgia Capitol in December of 2020. And Willis and her team are said to be closely examining not only Trump's phone calls, but what knowledge he had and role he played in efforts, including the fake electors effort. If it had about 75 witnesses appear, including Giuliani, 
former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, Senator Lindsey Graham, and other top Trump allies. So Willis would have to present her case to a regular grand jury. There's still a little bit of ways away before a possibility of targeting Trump legally here. But what's going on, once the seal of targeting Trump has been broken by Alvin Bragg, you can imagine there'll be more prosecutions on the way, all of which presumably are going to help Donald Trump with the base. Because again, regardless of the fact that Trump is misdirecting to DeSantis and it's weird and it's strange and it's ugly, the reality is that when he says he's being targeted and that he's being targeted because he was the Republican president, he is not wrong about that. And meanwhile, the Biden White House is filled with only the most serious people, the most serious people. I bring to you as exhibit A of the most serious people, the fact that Joe Biden featured at the White House, the cast of Ted Lasso. Really important stuff. So Ted Lasso went to the White House. Ted Lasso, for folks who are not familiar, is a show on Apple TV. And that show on Apple TV, that was kind of cute the first season, kind of decline in quality. The second season, third season so far is not particularly good. In any case, the entire brand of Ted Lasso is sort of like this can-do, optimistic spirit. And so they brought in the Hollywood stars to apparently try to pitch mental health. Now, again, I'm all for people taking care of their mental health. I think that that is very important. But bringing in Jason Sudeikis and the other cast members from Ted Lasso to meet Joe Biden and Jill Biden at the White House to discuss the importance of mental health. These are the most serious people. The Biden administration has made mental health a priority, according to the White House. The president's, quote, strategy is focused on training more providers, making care more affordable and accessible, and creating healthier and safer communities. And all of this obviously requires you to bring in the stars of a show that has just had its latest season released on Apple TV. That It was, it was necessary. I mean, if you're going to promote mental health, what you do is you go get one of the biggest shows on TV, and then you bring in all the stars, and you put them in the White House briefing room. It's real weird. Again, it's it's just, it's strange. Biden on Sunday tweeted a photo of the Oval Office with the word believe taped above an entryway, which is a nod to Ted, the show, Ted Lasso. Above Ted Lasso's office, he's a coach of an English soccer team. He's an American football coach who ends up as a an English soccer coach. And he tapes the sign believe above his office. So Joe Biden actually tweeted a photo of the word believe above the Oval Office. And then the, and then the word tomorrow. tomorrow. Wow. Amazing, amazing stuff. They're so serious, guys. We should take them so seriously. Uh, here was Ted Lasso, Jason Sudeikis at the White House speaking about mental health. Not, not somebody who's like an expert in mental health, an actor who plays somebody who's not even an expert on mental health. It is sincerely an honor to visit the White House and I have the opportunity to speak to the president and to the first lady about the importance of mental health. Um, so like, no matter who you are, no matter where you live, no matter uh, who you voted for, we all... Probably, I assume we all know someone who has, uh, or have been that someone ourselves actually, that's struggled, that's felt isolated, that's felt anxious, that has felt alone. I mean, all of that is perfectly fine. Also, why is Jason Sudeikis at the White House along with the entire cast of Ted Lasso flanking him? I'm just, I'm very confused as to what this has to do with the elected government of the United States. Remember that time that um, the elected government of the United States was supposed to be humble, small, non-celebrity oriented? And uh, and this is this is always what's driven me crazy is that everybody on the left is like, you elected a celebrity president in Donald Trump. You took a guy from The Apprentice and you made him president. Yeah, you guys elected a first-term senator from Illinois because he was good on TV. That's what you guys did. You decided that he was good on TV and then you turned him into a celebrity. And now he has a Netflix deal and a deal from Spotify and all the rest. You Hollywooded the, the, the entire White House process to the extent that now we're supposed to just take it as a matter of course that Hollywood actors show up to lecture the American people on mental health from the podium. It doesn't matter what they're saying. The very imagistics here are absurd. It became even more absurd, however, when 
Corinne Jean-Pierre, world's most untalented press secretary, then took the podium. And again, behind her are a bunch of actors, right? a bunch of professional, good-looking people who say words that other people write for them. Which, I mean, Corinne Jean-Pierre is kind of a, that, that's what she is, right? She's a professional, good-looking person who says words that other people write for her. But we're supposed to pretend that she's a great intellectual. Anyway, she is then harangued by a White House reporter from News Africa. The guy's name is Simon Atiba. And he starts haranguing her. Why won't you answer my questions? And she gets more and more angry at this. Like, because why? how dare you humiliate the White House press secretary in front of the actors? So first of all, let me just explain something to you. Actors are some of the most confused, weird, strange, egotistical, and, and least serious people on planet Earth. I lived in Hollywood for years. I know many, many actors. They are, as a class, not the most serious human beings. You'd be hard-pressed to find anybody who would argue otherwise, including actors. But apparently, we're supposed to be just abashed and ashamed that a reporter would dare to, to demand that Corinne Jean-Pierre call on him at a White House press conference in front of the actors. How dare you humiliate this White House in front of the greatest people in our society, the actors from Apple TV's Ted Lasso. We, we, we are now beyond parody, folks. There's no more. And, and by the way, this will never appear on SNL because even though it's hysterically funny and absurd on its face, SNL only makes fun of Republicans. So the fact that you now have a White House press secretary who's acting ashamed that a White House press person is asking her a question and she doesn't want to be asked a question and how dare you humiliate me in front of these very important actors on a sitcom? Yeah, man. It's just amazing stuff here. Right. You're right. You're here for me. Refer me. No, 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 no. No, that's not. We're not doing this. We're not doing this. We're not doing this. We're not doing this. From across the room. You've been discriminating against me and discriminating against some people in the briefing and I'm saying that this is the U.S., this is not China, this is not Russia. This is not Russia. Okay. What you are doing, you are making a monthly of the first amendment. It's been seven months. You've not called on me. You've got my messages. I'm saying that that's not right. That's not right. Untimes, welcome, guys. Welcome. Welcome to the press briefing room. Okay. Well, I mean, um, I, I do love all the white actors up there. There's one black guy and there's a bunch of white actors and are like, man, I can't, I can't deal with this black reporter. He's Cameroonian. I can't, I can't believe that he's actually asking her a question. It's just, it's so terrible. It's so terrible. And then the AP's Zeke Miller got up and apologized to Corinne Jean-Pierre for the incident. Apologized on behalf of the press for the incident in which she was humiliated in front of the actors. In front, oh my, in front of the actors, guys. It's so, okay. Can I just explain something? She is a taxpayer-funded employee. We pay her salary. I do not pay her salary so that she can stand up there and be feted by a variety of actors. That is not her job. Or so that she can present a comedy cavalcade behind the podium. We pay her so that she can lie on behalf of the president of the United States, because that's what she does professionally. And so that she can answer, more seriously, questions from actual reporters. So why is it suddenly a crime for the reporter to say, you have not allowed me to ask a question in a long time? But he did it in front of actors, and so it's real bad. First, a, a moment of personal privilege here. I just want to express uh, our apologies to the press corps, to the folks watching at home for the display we saw earlier. Our responsibility is to them. We're here to ask questions on their behalf to hold their government accountable because they can't all be here. Uh, this, is, this isn't about us. Beyond parody. We're here to hold the government accountable. And the way that we hold the government accountable, says Zeke Miller of the Associated Press, 
is by not asking you any questions in front of the actors. That's how we hold you accountable is by yelling at the reporter who is actually trying to get a question answered. That's how we hold you accountable is by kissing your ass because we would we would never want the ugly spectacle of you having to answer a question in front of Jason Sudeikis and a bunch of rando no-name actors that nobody's ever heard of inside the United States until Ted Lasso premiered about a couple of years ago. Slow clap for, for both the press corps and for Corinne Jean-Pierre and our entire federal government. They are just amazing at everything. Speaking of which, we need better employees in the federal government. We also need better employees, you know, in your business. And this is why we use ZipRecruiter here at Daily Wire. ZipRecruiter helps you find the most qualified people for your roles fast. Right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. ZipRecruiter's matching technology helps you find the most qualified candidates for a wide range of roles. If you see a candidate you like, you can easily send them a personal invite so they're more likely to apply. Their user-friendly dashboard makes it easy to filter, review, and rate your candidates all from one place. See why the majority of employers count on ZipRecruiter. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within day one. Use my exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyWire. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash D-A-I-L-Y-W-I-R-E. ZipRecruiter is indeed the smartest way to hire. And it's very hard to find great people for your position these days. And there's, there's a real shortage of excellent hires in the marketplace. This is why you need to filter them the best possible way with ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyWire. Again, go check it out. ZipRecruiter.com slash D-A-I-L-Y-W-I-R-E. And you can try ZipRecruiter for free because ZipRecruiter is indeed the smartest way to hire. Also, there are some recent very alarming statistics that show that more than one third of millennials approve of communism. Well, that's for one of a couple of reasons. One, they may not know actual history. Or two, they believe that communism wasn't really ever tried. But it has been tried. If you watch the first two episodes of the new Daily Wire Plus series called What We Saw Cold War, you'll see just how horrific it really was. Here is a clip from our brand new show, Cold War. Russia was cluttered with dots marking each of these places, which looked like ants scurrying across the map of the world's largest country. 423 of these dots would eventually be built. And here's what they would be called. In Wikipedia, the Russian is Gulag. It means main administration camps. It's an acronym. That acronym for the series of what were called main administration camps, the Gulag, was strung out like an island chain in what one of their residents, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, would refer to as the Gulag Archipelago. One of these dots, just one, was located in Kolyma. Nobody knows how many people actually died in the gold mines of Kolyma. All agree that in wintertime, the temperature in and around the camp was the only place where, by coincidence, both Fahrenheit and Celsius scales happened to converge, and that is at 40 degrees below zero for each of them. Initial estimates of three million people killed at Coloma alone were no doubt too high. The lowest well-researched figure is about 500,000, and the actual total most likely was around 800,000 human souls. Now that means that Kolyma is almost certainly tied for second place with Treblinka at 800,000 dead on the leaderboard from hell. It's unlikely, but it's entirely possible that the total death in this worst single island of the 423 islands in the Gulag archipelago exceeded the 1.1 to 1.6 million people killed at Auschwitz. No one's ever heard of Kolyma, because unlike with Auschwitz and Treblinka and Belzec and Sobibor, there are no pictures that survive from these death camps. 
In Cold War, storyteller and writer Bill Whittle will take you back to the beginning just after World War II when the struggle between communism and freedom began in earnest. It's actual history where verifiable facts come to ugly life. Cold War comes out today. You need to go check it out right now. We're making the first episode available for everyone to see. Head on over to dailywire.com slash cold war now to watch it. If you want to keep watching, you have to become a member. So head on over to dailywire.com slash cold war today. Meanwhile, our White House is very, very serious. Again, the most serious people, not only are they inviting Ted Lasso's cast to the White House and then really, really pumping that up to the extent that the press secretary is supposed to not answer questions. I mean, come on, guys. Ted Lasso is here. You can't expect her to answer questions while Ted Lasso is here. Well, the vice president also has spent her week doing something very important. She sent a letter to the most marginalized hero in American life. You guessed it. Dylan Mulvaney, a dude who says he's a lady. On March 13th, the vice president of the United States sent to Dylan Mulvaney. I kid you not, the Miss Dylan Mulvaney. Dylan Mulvaney is a dude. Quote, dear Dylan, I send you my warmest greetings as you celebrate your 365th day of living authentically. See, before that, Dylan Mulvaney was not living authentically. Before that, Dylan Mulvaney was living a lie. Before that, everyone just thought that Dylan Mulvaney was a really gay dude. And now it turns out that Dylan Mulvaney is a woman and was a woman all along. If only Dylan Mulvaney had discovered this sooner. Quote, thank you for courageously sharing your story and your journey, writes the vice president of the United States. I appreciate your continued advocacy for transgender equality, including during your visit to the White House last year. Through your work as an activist and advocate for the LGBTQI plus minus divided by sign community, you continue to break barriers and inspire young people across our nation and around the world. So inspirational. I think the most inspirational thing is when Dylan Mulvaney dressed up as Eloise from the children's book and then gallivanted around in the Plaza Hotel. That is a thing that actually happened. Here's what it looked like. I live at the Plaza Hotel, which is huge and wonderful and trace elegant, especially at Christmas time. Yeah, it's not creepy and weird at all. It's, it's uh, totally normal. To- just a normal woman being super womanly. Right there. The, the vice president continues, quote, while we have made incredible progress from advancing mi- marriage equality to enacting historic protections for trans people, the fight is far from over. Our administration stands with the LGBTQ plus minus divided by sign happy face emoji, poop emoji community, and the ongoing struggle for true equity and equality and against hate and discrimination in all forms. I'm grateful for your dedication and courage. And I hope you continue to use your platform to spread positivity and create change. I look forward to seeing all that you will accomplish in the future. Sincerely, Kamala Harris. Wow, to be so marginalized. Ah, ah, the victimization. Dylan Mulvaney has been pretending to be a woman for a year and got a letter from the VP. Uh, It turns out that we have in the United States approximately 170 million people who don't just pretend to be women, they actually are women. How many of them received a letter from the vice president of the United States on their not birthday? It's uh, really just spectacular stuff. Very, very spectacular stuff there from the White House. Well, when the White House isn't promoting a bunch of pop culture nonsense, they're promoting actual bad policy. So yesterday, Joe Biden took to the airwaves to lie about his first veto. So he issued his first veto yesterday. It was, Now, you, first thing to notice, If he had to issue a veto, it must have been that a bill passed with bipartisan support, right? The Republicans don't control the Senate. They haven't controlled the Senate the entirety of Joe Biden's presidency. So that means that the first veto that he signed is overruling a bipartisan bill. What was the bill? Well, the bill removed a Labor Department regulation that would have allowed retirement plans to consider ESG in their investment decisions. So before, the idea was that retirement plans were supposed to take into account the interests of shareholders. And then the Labor Department was like, you know what? They should 
take into account a bunch of left-wing policy priorities. That won't hurt the retirees at all. We will do things that are, that are economically idiotic. But we'll do them in the names of environmentalism and social justice and all the rest. And the Labor Department was promoting that. So the House, on a bipartisan basis, and the Senate, on a bipartisan basis, actually passed that bill to remove the Labor Department regulation. And then Joe Biden vetoed it. So here was his statement about the veto yesterday, and he's just lying. I mean, he's straight up lying. I just signed this veto because the legislation passed by the Congress would put at risk the retirement savings of individuals across the country. They couldn't take into consideration investments that wouldn't be impacted by climate, impacted by overpaying executives. And that's why I decided to veto it. It makes sense to veto it. Okay, no, it, it is not making your investments less lucrative. It's making them more lucrative is what the actual bill would have done because it would have prevented idiotic woke managers at these at these hedge funds from essentially dictating to the to the 401k programs that they have to take into account global warming when they make their investment choices. So he's lying. And you know who thinks he's lying? Joe Manchin. Right? Joe Manchin yesterday came out, he blasted Joe Biden's radical policy agenda. Of course, he's up for re-election soon. So he put out a statement over the veto, said this administration continues to prioritize their radical policy agenda over the economic, energy, and national security needs of our country. It's absolutely infuriating. West Virginians are under increasing stress as we continue to recover from a once-in-a-generation pandemic, pay the bills amid record inflation, and face the largest land war in Europe since World War II. The administration's unrelenting campaign to advance a radical social and environmental agenda is only exacerbating these challenges. This ESG rule will weaken our energy, national, and environmental security while jeopardizing the hard-earned retirement savings of 150 million West Virginians and Americans. Despite a clear and bipartisan rejection of the rule from Congress, Biden is choosing to put his administration's progressive agenda above the well-being of the American people. But don't worry, he is, um, he is doing it because he wants, your, he wants your investments to be better, says Joe Biden, because, you know, He's lying. Among other lies that the Biden administration is telling, Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm, who has no actual expertise in the area of energy, well, she uh, she suggests that her Inflation Reduction Act, that the Democrats' Inflation Reduction Act is going to be amazing for low-income Americans if they want to go green. Well, actually, the Inflation Reduction Act is going to be very, very good for people who wish to buy electric vehicles, which does not include mo most low-income Americans. Where will our viewers see the results in their own lives and how can they take advantage of it? Yeah, it's a great question because there are huge opportunities for individuals, especially as they consider perhaps retrofitting their homes to be more energy efficient. So for example, if you wanted to install a heat pump in your home, replace your HVAC system, perhaps it's gone out, you can get significant tax credits to be able to do that. And the you know more moderate or low income you are, the the greater the benefits are. Oh, so it's, it's really about the, the low-income people is the Inflation Reduction Act. They spend, you know, like a trillion dollars on random nonsense, including a bunch of green junk. Sure. Ah, the Biden agenda. Winning friends and influencing people every single day. When you watch the experts at the Biden administration, be expert. You know, Kamala Harris sending letters to Dylan Mulvaney and Joe Biden and Joe Biden meeting in the Oval Office with the cast of Ted Lasso. You think to yourself, man, these people should probably have more power. And that becomes, you know, even more clear when you watch the people with this much power interact with the commoners. So there is a show on PBS, a documentary that followed Muriel Bowser, the Washington, D.C. mayor, and Anthony Fauci, the greatest of all doctors, well, second greatest, Dr. Jill, obviously, medical doctor par excellence, Dr. Jill. They went door to door in Washington, D.C. to promote the vaccine in 2021. And PBS followed them along 
with cameras. As part of their American Masters series, which aim to help viewers discover insightful profiles of important figures in America's artistic and cultural life. Unfortunately for Dr. Fauci, he and Muriel Bowser then got randomly schooled by a bunch of what appeared to be low-income residents of Washington, D.C. over the vaccine. <laughs> oh, the greatest doctors being schooled by people who, uh, who I-, I will assume are not epidemiologists. Here is one D.C. resident just destroying Dr. Fauci to his face. And nine months is definitely not no. enough for nobody to be taking no vaccination that you all came up with. The only yeah. reason I'm talking to you right now, well, as close well, as we are, is that I've been vaccinated. Right. But if it allow thousands of people like you don't get vaccinated, you're going to let this virus continue to percolate in this country and in this world. Something like the common flu then, right? And, and not like, not it's like much the more serious flu. than the flu. Though. Well, the flu kills a lot of people annually yeah. too. You know how many people died of the flu the last year? I mean, not this year, virtually none, but the previous year, about 20 to 30,000. You know, how many people have died from COVID-19 in the United States? 600,000 Americans. Well, you, well, that, well the, the number that you all given that died, that's, that's once again, that's you all's number. You gonna pass. Yeah, definitely. Because right. when, when you start talking about paying people to get vaccinated, when you start talking about incentivizing things to get people vaccinated, there's something else going on with that. Didn't go amazing for Dr. Fauci and uh, more D.C. residents, as it turns out, were schooling Dr. Fauci on on his vaccine. You know, the, the fact that he is you know skeptical of vaccine. By the way, this is the stuff that the media would not feature in 2021, because every person who was skeptical of the vaccine in 2021, after it had been shown not to actually reduce transmission in any serious way, and that the preventative effects in terms of death and serious disease were basically relegated to people who had serious underlying conditions and the elderly. Once that had been proved, the media continued to trot out this line because Biden was pushing it, that there would be a winter of death and despair and would be entirely relegated to low-income white Trump voters. It was those people who were going to die. So this kind of footage never got shown on national TV. You have to wait until 2023 to see this kind of footage. And if you mention the fact that vax rates in the black community in low-income black areas were really, really low, well, then they blamed systemic racism. So the way that it worked is if poor white people in red areas didn't want the vaccine, that was because of systemic racism because they were the racists. And if it was poor black people who didn't want it, it was because of systemic racism. It couldn't have been that there were just a bunch of poor black people who didn't trust the government on these issues because the government had not been, you know, super forthcoming on these issues. Here was again Muriel Bowser and Dr. Fauci being schooled by yet another D.C. resident. What's doing with vaccine? Oh, I'm not having any money yet. I'm waiting for them to be able to. Oh, you should get it first. Okay, that way you won't give it to them. Oh, I thought I thought I would give it to them if I get it. No, no, not at all. In fact, we got to get you vaccinated so that if you were to get infected, you could pass it on to them. So you're actually protecting your family by getting vaccinated. Well, I heard that it doesn't um, cure it and it doesn't um, stop you from getting it. No. So on the very, very, very rare chance that you do get it, even if you're vaccinated, it's a very, you don't even feel sick. Okay, so the case that she's making, which is that it does, I mean, he's literally encouraging small children to get it, not to pass it, which as it turns out was not correct. I mean, it just wasn't. But, you know, amazing job by the federal government as always. My favorite part here is that Dr. Fauci in the middle of this particular special then says it's the red states that are keeping the pandemic smoldering. The red state, there's literally footage of them going around a poor area in Washington, D.C. where the residents are all like, nah, not interested. And he's like, you know who's doing this? White Americans in Kentucky. 
Weird, because um, I'm spotting a lot of people of a lot of various races and demographics who weren't super hot on Dr. Fauci's advice. What are we going to do about those other states? Oh, my God. They're going to keep the outbreak smoldering in the country. It's so crazy. I mean, they're not doing it because they say they don't want to do it. They're Republicans. They don't like to be told what to do. And we got to break that, you know, unpack that. You got to break that and unpack that, he says, right before talking to a poor black resident of Washington, D.C., who is almost certainly a Democrat, saying, I don't want to take it, and my family's not getting it either. Uh, these, it was, there, there's no politics whatsoever, guys. No politics whatsoever. It's just the science. It's just the science. Speaking of just the science, the U.N. has a brand new report out. They've updated it because it's 10 years later, and we have not yet seen you know, the world completely implode. The U.N. has another report saying the world is on brink of catastrophic warming. Best meme on this that I saw was uh, uh, the meme of Matthew McConaughey from Dazed and Confused. You know, the, the famous line from Dazed and Confused where, where he says, the thing I like about high school girls is I keep getting older, but the high school girls, they keep staying the same. Right, so this is how it works with the UN. Right, that we keep getting older, but the headline just keeps staying the same. 10 years till end of, till end of world. And then it's like 10 years later, like 10 years till end of world. <laughs> so according to the Washington Post, the world is likely to pass a dangerous temperature threshold within the next 10 years pushing the planet past the point of catastrophic warming unless nations drastically transform their economies and immediately transition away from fossil fuels. Well, uh, bad news, it ain't, ha- ain't going to happen. Sorry, I'm just, I'm, I hate to be the bearer of bad tidings here for the environmentalist left, but the reality is the mass transition away from fossil fuels, that is not going to happen because the alternatives to fossil fuels simply are not nearly as effective. And that is particularly true in the developing world, but it happens to be true pretty much everywhere. The report released Monday, by the UN Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change found the world is likely to surpass its most ambitious climate target, limiting warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius by the early 2030s. Beyond that threshold, scientists have found climate disasters will become so extreme that people will not be able to adapt. Basic components of the Earth system will be fundamentally irrevocably altered. Heat waves, famines, infectious diseases could claim millions of additional lives by century's end. Now, what they don't say in that part of the report is that those kind of specific predictions are very, very low confidence predictions. So they have kind of brought, whenever you read the IPCC reports, they have various levels of confidence that they announce, right? They talk about assessed confidence, very low, low, medium, high, and very high. And so the way that they assess their various predictions is with these particular labels. So for example, if something is virtually certain, that would be a 99 to 100% probability. Very likely is 90 to 100%. Likely is 66 to 100%. More likely than not would be 50 to 100%. About as likely as not would be 33 to 66%. Unlikely would be 0 to 33%. There's some additional terms like extremely likely or high levels of confidence, right? These, these sort of terms, again, they have sort of percentages attached to them. Basically, the most scary, the, the most scary sort of predictions are all the very low confidence predictions. Right, the, those, those are the ones that actually are, are the ones that the media tend to focus on. Because whenever they say that there is something terrible that's going to happen in the future, it, of course they can only say that with very low confidence. They have no clue. Right? They, they can kind of tell general trend lines. But they can't tell you that there's going to be a, a giant heat wave in the, in the American Midwest in 2045 with high confidence. You can't really say that sort of stuff. Which is why that's not, that, that's not the sort of stuff that the media tend to the report is the confidence level. So for example, here's a very here's a low confidence report from the IPCC. Over the next 2000 years, global mean sea level will rise by about 2 to 3 meters. 
if warming is limited to 1.5 degrees Celsius and two to six meters, if limited to two degrees Celsius. That is a low confidence assessment. That sort of stuff is going to feature very, very prominently in the report. You'll see a lot of medium confidence assessments. Again, medium confidence is not a high confidence. But those are all, all the stuff that is truly catastrophic is in the medium to low confidence area. All the high confidence stuff is like the world will get warmer. Okay. But that's not going to stop the, the media from, from essentially using this as an excuse to restructure the entire global economy. It is not a shock that yesterday Joe Biden warned that climate change could upend all the federal spending programs. According to the New York Times, a chapter in the new economic report of the president focuses on the growing risks to people and businesses from rising temperatures and the government's role in adapting to them. Administration economists said that reassessment should include a new look at climate adaptation implications of aid to farmers, wildland firefighting, and wide swaths of Medicare and Medicaid. So we're going to have to spend more money on Medicare and Medicaid because of global warming. Uh, I noticed that what you're doing is doing the thing you want to do and then claiming that global warming is the rationale for that thing. That, that, that is what I'm noticing. And you're doing it all in the name of to science as per our usual arrangement. And these are the experts and they are so expert. They're, probably they have an appointment with Ted Lasso, so probably should, you know, Leave their afternoon free. Okay, time for some things I like and then some things that I hate. So things that I like. As I told you, I've now gotten into British TV because I've sort of exhausted the possibilities of American TV. Excellent show from about a decade ago. It's called Line of Duty. It's from BBC One. It's really, really good. It's really good. I've only seen season one, but apparently all the seasons are good. Uh, here's a little bit of the trailer. Don't sweat, lads. What do we got? Hijack of a transport by armed men wearing balaclavas. Three police officers murdered in cold blood. The hijack required a police insider. My team will get to the root of anything. The root being what, sir? For too long, the extent of police corruption has been covered up. Someone's pulling the strings. There's a code name. Didn't think it was real. It's a, it's a really good Eight? series. This is actually the preview, I believe, for season five. But season season one is well worth the watch. Uh, it's, uh, it's really... Well written, it's well acted, and uh, it's worth the time. So you should go check it out. Line of Duty, I believe it's available on Amazon Prime, or you have to get that uh, that BritBox subscription that I was telling you about. Okay, other things that I like. So I do like it when members of the left say the quiet part out loud. So they did that a little bit yesterday. There is a Georgia state representative, and this Georgia state representative named Lydia Glaze. She was talking about why it is that basically parents should have no impact on their kids' education. Now she admitted in the course of explaining that she has been sending her own kids to private school. But she says, basically, parents are too stupid to decide what to do with their kids. You need the experts to do it. I see access as a problem. Um, I see parents being able to direct their child's um, education, and they are already in the lower 25 percentile, meaning a lot of those parents did not finish high school and cannot direct their, could not finish their own education. I am extremely concerned that we would put money in their hands in that in that entire piece of life in the hands of parents who are not qualified to make those decisions. So let me just get this straight. Parents are not qualified to make decisions about the education of their children, but we should definitely spend tens of thousands of dollars on social welfare programs where we put cash directly in their hands to make financial decisions. And also, we should make sure that every one of them votes. Okay, you're going to need to explain why all those things are true at the same time. Parents are too stupid to take care of their kids in terms of deciding where they go to school but they're not too stupid to vote or to spend federal taxpayer and state taxpayer money. Can't have it both ways. Right? Either, parent, either parents are capable of agency, particularly when it comes to their children and the educations they receive, or parents are too stupid to basically function in society. But this is the entire shtick. The entire shtick is we like their votes because their votes empower people apparently, like this, this person, Lydia Glaze. 
And we like to spend money on them because essentially we think that if we spend money on them, then they'll vote for us. But we don't want them to be able to move their kids around because if they do that, maybe they might get this taste for this thing called freedom and, uh, and responsible decision-making. We wouldn't want that at all. There are a lot of people out there who would like to keep citizens of the United States enthralled to the government and would like to use them as tools toward their own reclamation of power. Meanwhile, not abiding by any of the rules themselves. Again, Lydia Glaze says in this same clip, actually, that she sends her own kids and sent her own kids to private school. Okay, time for some quick things that I hate. So, things that I hate today. You know, I've talked about this before. I obviously spend a significant amount of time in Israel. I tend to go by the by the Jewish holidays every year. And as I've pointed out, the media never, ever cover the, the simple fact that if you are a Jew or perceived as an outsider and you drive into a Palestinian-controlled area, there's a high likelihood that you will be beaten or killed. Uh, and that that is a very serious security risk. That if an Arab accidentally drives into the middle of Jerusalem, nothing happens. But if a Jew accidentally drives into the wrong area of East Jerusalem, that person could be murdered. And I've talked about this before. I've talked about the fact that when you drive into the so-called West Bank, into Judea and Samaria, that you are greeted by red signs that say on the side of the freeway, if you are a Jew or an Israeli citizen, do not enter this area. It's Palestinian authority controlled. If you enter this area, we can't guarantee your life. So there was an amazing incident that happened in Israel. There's a city called Shechem. Shechem or Shechem, as it's pronounced in English, is now an, an Arab city. It's a Palestinian Arab city entirely controlled by the Palestinian Authority. And these German tourists had rented a car in Tel Aviv. Because they had rented a car in Tel Aviv, it had an Israeli license plate. They're not Jewish. They drove into Shechem, and they were promptly beset by a group of young thugs who attempted to beat the living hell out of them. Right, here is the clip, and then you can hear the German tourist explaining what happened. We felt very, very afraid. I felt really, really endangered. I would, did not know if I would go out there alive because they had so much hate against us. Suddenly came out of the taxis and kind of surrounded us. And we tried to explain them in English that we are tourists, that we are from Germany. We are both not Jewish, so we are not a target for them. But uh, they didn't understand. They didn't even listen really to us. They just screamed at us and uh, they started first uh, to bump with their fists against uh, the, our car. And then they uh, took some traffic signs and rocks that they were throwing against us. Okay, so just to see, for those who can't see the footage, it's literally just a group of young Arab men who are grabbing rocks and stones and throwing them, smashing windshields, attempting to break windows to get at the people inside and, uh, and physically harm them. Okay, now, the, the key line there is, we tried to tell them in English, we weren't Jews. We were just tourists. Like, let's just be real about this. The level of anti-Semitism in sort of commonplace Palestinian society is extraordinary. This has been true for a very long time. Like the tacit kind of acceptance of the world, that if you are a Jew and you drive into an Arab area in the Palestinian Authority, that you will very high likelihood be murdered or at least physically harmed. And the rest of the world just kind of goes, oh, okay. And then has the gall to suggest that Israel is an apartheid state with a 20% Arab population, Arab party sitting in the Knesset, Arab judges on the Supreme Court and all the rest. The gall is really, really astounding. And of course, that's not going to get shown on the nightly news because it's not newsworthy. It's not newsworthy. The, low, the, the bigotry of low expectations, the soft bigotry of low expectations that extends to members of a population that will pull people out of a car and beat them for being Jews is extraordinary. Again, that's not all Palestinians. It may not be a majority of Palestinians. We don't know. By polling data, it may be a majority of Palestinians. We don't know that either. What we do know is that it is not safe to be a Jew in these areas. It is safe to be an Arab if you are in Israel. 
And yet that imbalance is never shown in the media. The idea is that there's some sort of moral equivalence. Uh, there isn't. There just isn't. As my friend Dennis Prager is fond of saying, when it comes to the Israeli-Arab dispute, if the Arabs put down their guns, there'd be a Palestinian state tomorrow. If the Israeli put down their guns, there would be 7 million dead Jews. All righty, guys, the rest of the show is continuing right now. You're not going to want to miss it. We'll be getting into the latest on the economy. The Federal Reserve is going to have to make some hard decisions this week, plus the mailbag. If you're not a member, become a member. Use code Shapiro. Check out for two months free on all annual plans. Click the link in the description and join us. While tackling your New Year's goals, don't forget about your daily dose of fruits and vegetables, which just got easier to remember thanks to Balance of Nature. Their fruit and veggie capsules offer a convenient way to consume those essential nutritional ingredients daily. So improve your diet and feel your best this year. Go to balanceofnature.com and use promo code WIRE for 35% off, plus a free fiber and spice in your first order as a preferred customer. That's balanceofnature.com, promo code WIRE. 